Hi, welcome to the Montague Reporter Podcast. My name is Sarah Brown Anson. I'm the host and producer. And here with Mike Jackson. Hi, Mike. Hello, Sarah. I am Mike Jackson, the managing editor at the Montague Reporter newspaper. Thanks for continuing to come on as a podcast guest. Oh, man. Thanks for continuing to do the podcast. Couldn't do it without you. We actually have a new volunteer on the podcast, which is really exciting. Yep. Stella. Got to build, build it up. Yeah. So if you are interested in learning how to podcast or doing things with podcasts, making art for the podcast, making music, I don't know. If you have any ideas for the podcast, please reach out. Podcast at MontagueReporter.org. Yeah, send your fan art. <laughs> I bet there could be some really cool fan art out there. Like, there's already podcast art. Uh, there's a really, really cool doggy listening to the podcast that gets published in every newspaper. Thanks, Nina, for making it. Yep, a dog with headphones mm-hmm. um, listening, of course, to our podcast. Mm-hmm. How's this uh, change of seasons treating you? I love fall. Yeah. I went for a a walk near the canal this morning with my mom. That was really nice. It was beautiful weather. We're recording this on October 22, which is a Friday. Uh, tomorrow here in um, scenic downtown Turner's Falls, we're going to have the Great Falls Festival, um, a.k.a. Pumpkin Fest, which is always a, a wild time. Um, we'll see how big it is this year uh, with the quasi-COVID, but um, I have a feeling I won't slow many people down. Are you just going to be, like, hiding in your apartment so you don't see anyone and, you know, hoping not to hear any loud music, or are you going to be out there partying? Um, Probably somewhere in between. Uh, I I like it. Um, You know, as someone who lives in this neighborhood, it's always kind of like a surreal and you know a little bit stressful of a day to have that many people come over to party um Mm -hmm. but uh you know i usually you know enjoy uh being out a little bit running into people i haven't seen in a long time cool nice and it's supposed to be nice weather tomorrow right yep uh should hold up uh by the time (laughs) by the time this podcast reaches you the listener um uh great falls festival aka pumpkin fest will already be behind us um but uh yeah i'm I'm excited for it can i ask you about your editorial on dual use solar sure okay so this is something we've talked about on the podcast before you have reported on land use issues as a as a general thing and also you've reported on use of um, forest land and agricultural land for mounted solar and you finally came out with an editorial well i don't know do you think it was a long time coming um i don't think that this editorial took a particularly strong stance um so this is uh, our october 21st edition and um in the spring uh we we discussed um you know the the whole idea of dual use solar um you know a few times so there's a big project in northfield that has been approved by the state to do it and that kind of you know brought the the issue to our region's uh, doorstep but um i think it's going to be something that uh, is much discussed in coming years so you know 
kind of want want readers to be to be looking at it and uh, mm -hmm. um, the state regulations are still changing um, you know as to what will be approved um, for for these dual use projects which get the highest rate of subsidy under the state's uh, solar subsidy program smart and uh, you know are a source of a lot of contention so dual use can also mean like um uh, mounted solar that's shading a parking lot um, um, is that du an example? dual use no um is, is specifically talking about um agricultural dual oh, okay. use it's these these things called agricultural solar oh no <laughs> agricultural solar tariff generating units um no agriculture solar generating tariff units and that's a mouthful yep um and uh but you know it means like a um a project that is is uh eligible for for these subsidies because it's got um farmland pr production happening under solar panels mm -hmm. and you reported on a specific large project that is in the works in northfield uh, this spring i did yep yeah. and so this week you know um and it kind of ended up in, in the editorial column um, just because, you know, I, I hadn't uh, other space to, to, you know, cover it as a news article. Um, but I did find it pretty newsworthy. There's another um, round of um, public input on uh, the, you know, new, new proposed modification for the guidelines. And uh, a lot of people were very surprised that the, the newest draft um, basically says... Uh, to be eligible, um, it, it needs to be on uh, prime farmland, mm -hmm. which is kind of the reverse of what um, a lot of people have been been calling for, um, you know, organic farmers and land trust sorts. Yeah, so people are saying it should be on less prime farmland. Right. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different perspectives on it. You know, mm -hmm. I think um, there's a, a perspective that, like, you know, farmland might just be lost to solar developers outright and uh, mm. trying to steer people toward um, dual use projects is kind of like a almost a, a harm reduction approach to it where, you mm. know, you can still have some kind of um, productive uh, value, you know, agri agriculturally speaking, um, while the, the solar generation is happening and then also it can be returned after the lifespan of the, the solar project uh, returned to farmland. And that, that's the perspective of um, the American Farmland Trust right now. And, you know, I think that there's, um, you know, since we're talking about an editorial, um, I think that there is, you know, something convincing for sure about, about that perspective. Um, there's also, you know, a perspective that I also find convincing, which is just that the, the sheer amount of, uh, of solar, um, subsidy that is going to be steering into Western Mass in the next couple of years under this program um, probably means that however they set this up is going to have like a, a big real world impact and mm -hmm. um, people are uh, worried that you know a lot of um, farmland is going to be taken kind of off the market um, by by solar projects um, it's going to be a lot more expensive harder for farmers to, to break into the the biz uh, you know whether it's younger or working class farmers, uh, farmers of, of color and immigrant farmers, um, you know, it's like just outright land access um, might get a lot tighter than, than even it has been if, um, you know, solar developers are, are 
interested in setting this up. And then, you know, within that, um, there's a skepticism from some quarters um, as to, you know, really the, the agricultural, I guess, value. And here's where, you know, the debate gets kind of kind of tricky. But um, what's really um, being approved because it's, it's what there's, um, you know, science on in Massachusetts so far is basically pasture land projects. So, you know, growing um, cover crops under these things and letting hooved mammals graze there. And whether that's a going to usher in a big wave of conversion of uh, food food crops to pasture land, you know, human food crops to pasture land. Um, you know, that's kind of the scenario folks are worried about. So hmm. in, in the, you know, last year's round of public comments, there were a lot of um, people saying, you know, please, like, to the state, you know, um, if you can steer the dual-use stuff toward, uh, you know, more, more maybe marginal farmland, um, that would at least be a benefit. Uh, and that's not currently, uh, you know, the Department of Energy Resources uh, direction, it looks like. So part of the reason I, I put it in was I wanted to get in this week um, because I know that some of our readers are following and are interested, and there's a comment period that's open only until next Wednesday, uh, the 27th. So I just want to put, put that in the paper um, really as a, you know, as a, a public service. I don't have like a huge personal i'm not firmly decided i wasn't firmly advocating one way or another but it was you know people are following this along and and i didn't want this to kind of slip by and if if folks are interested in participating in that process you know maybe they'll see our editorial and and write a letter to the doer i really appreciate it just the fact that you wrote an editorial on a, a state issue that affects people locally affects land use especially around here so kudos Uh, I do enjoy the editorials you write on more big picture maybe like national or world level issues and then you know once in a while you'll just put in random clips like you did one it's like all the headlines all like the top headlines from the last year or something or like clips from the old issues of the Montague Reporter like a hundred and the, the Turner's Falls now. Turner's Falls Turner's reporter. Turner's Falls that, yeah. reporter. Yes, we are a baby compared to that <laughs> that newspaper. Yeah, there were some more clips in in this week's issue of the Turner's Falls reporter that I noticed as well. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I I had an irregular sized uh, hole to fill and <laughs> decided to go back and harvest uh, from like 1884 some local ads and and uh-huh. uh, and put that in. Um, yeah. Nice little Easter egg. I liked the one, like, housekeeper looking for situation. Right. Inquire at reporter office, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, newspapers, as far as I know, still offer, like, if you take out an ad, like, can you still have them respond to the newspaper? Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of community service. uh, (laughs) I don't know. Grand Central Station sometimes, you know. uh, I don't know how often The town information booth. Yeah. Um, it has happened on my watch, but it's not a, a regular thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. Okay, should we talk about that Buckland story next? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks, a couple of few weeks since we put out a podcast. So this is our October 14 edition you're talking about? Yeah, so it's not this most recent edition. It's the week before, but this story came from a tip, right? Yeah. So this is the story uh, that we ran on A1 on October 14 as Buckland Chief faces indecent assault charge, quietly retired. Buckland 
Oakland is not one of our regular coverage towns, but uh, we did get a tip. Um, uh, okay, well, I'll give I'll give our podcast listeners the exclusive story. Um, in that, you know, we got a tip uh, as the previous week's paper was was going to, you know, basically going to bed, and, and um, I told the person this is actually a huge story, and if you're just looking to get it out, there's another paper that would probably be interested to hear, and um, I steered them toward the other paper, and then when it didn't appear in that paper Friday or Saturday, Sunday edition, or Monday, or Tuesday, I went, oh no, like this is actually, you know, maybe our duty to, to get this out, so um, that Wednesday, um, you know, I um, had a friend go into to court in Northampton, picked documents up, uh, ended up calling up a, a lawyer friend of mine for a favor to, to just read through the docket and explain some of the things on there, and tried making a bunch of calls some of which were, were answered and some of which were not answered. Um, but I do think that I gave everyone a good enough heads up that this story was going to be in. And yeah, ran it October 14th. Um, Buckland's again, you know, not one of our core coverage towns, but, um, you know, it's, it's pretty big news and felt mm-hmm. like someone needed to get it out there. It's a big story um, of the former chief of police in Buckland being accused of a really serious crime and it's it's important that it was published i think how did you write that so quickly like how did you approach it um yeah i mean i I don't really know the answer to that uh just uh um strong will and uh ate a good breakfast that day and (laughs) yeah um you know i think that um i was trying to kind of scour through what was publicly available and ended up, you know, reading a bunch of older um, Buckland select board minutes. Uh, the select board is the personnel board in that town. A, a lot of this for me, you know, kind of came down to um, this was the situation where um, the guy at the end of August suddenly, you know, they're saying, well, this guy's retiring before our next meeting, so uh, we've got to figure out what to do. And, um, you know, no, no mention of that he was facing charges or anything like that. Um, and maybe, you know, he was just planning to retire anyway, and it's unrelated. Uh, the, the guy's 55, um, and I, I have no idea. But um, he, he had been facing this charge, actually, for two years, and no one noticed, uh, oh. at least not in the news, yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been kind of in discovery for um, for a couple of years, um, slowed down by, by COVID, uh, dragging on kind of behind the scenes. Um, you know, the, the, um, his alleged victim of, um, you know, I, I think I called it a, a groping. I didn't want to really, you know, I'm not like one to write sensational and re-traumatizing details in the newspaper. Um, uh, others take different approaches, um, when there's like stuff like that in, in public documents. But, uh, she went to the state police barracks the same day, reported it. And uh, it took, it was in 2018, and it took 11 months before charges were filed, um, but they were filed by uh, the Worcester County District's Attorney Office um, in Northampton District Court because, um, you know, the the Northwest District Attorney, which covers our county, um, they work with the Buckland Police, so they kind of handed it off because, you know, they had a, could have had a perceived conflict of interest over that. So mm-hmm. it passed off, you know, out of district, and maybe that's why it was never noticed. But, um, you know, it's uh, definitely newsworthy uh, when 
police or, you know, top police brass are accused of doing things like that. And then, you know, the other part of the story that's, you know, still maybe to come out is that um, apparently, you know, there's a second accuser with similar accusations. um, And we are expecting to see uh, further charges filed related to that. Um, But, you know, even the fact that this one was pending and then um, never came up and then uh, they were acting like, you know, uh, yeah, this was planned retirement we just did absolutely no succession training and um you know suddenly have to appoint the only other full-time cop to be police chief um temporarily and oh we're gonna approach you know shelburne to see if they want to do a joint policing agreement um and (laughs) it's a you know really eyebrow raising um i have i guess i didn't come out right and say this in the article that i wrote and published but uh, you know very strong curiosity as to whether open meeting law was followed there mm-hmm. um their town administrator did say you know this has been on the collective radar of the select board and they've they've kind of discussed internally that you know maybe uh upon his retirement uh, th- this sorry meaning his retirement not the charge um, she wouldn't comment on the charge but that his retirement has been discussed internally um and you know they figured that they would approach shelburne at that point and it's like well why wait that doesn't make sense to me. And also, you can't discuss that internally. You know, that's like a select board needs to publicly post <laughs> what it's discussing. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to pick that one up. But, you know, if you're in Buckland and you're listening to this podcast, like, maybe someone should, like, look into whether there was any, you know, like, open meeting law violations. I don't care. I'm in Turner's Falls. That guy wasn't my police chief. But, like... Um, I am, uh, I find the story, and maybe this is like, you know, my own inclinations as someone who's been covering kind of like town government stuff, but like, I thought it was almost as interesting of a select board story. So for our listeners who may not be total public administration nerds like you and I are, Mike, um, there can't be like a deliberation between members of a public body, um, if they're right. a quorum a quorum of, yeah. right which with select boards i mean it, it's tricky the open meeting law is is a tough um thing the way it's written in mass and i shouldn't say that because i'm in the press and it you know helps us but mm-hmm. um it means that you know when you have a three-person board two people aren't supposed to talk about like the business of their of their committee outside of like publicly posted meetings so mm-hmm. um you yeah, know i mean they could all they could get around that i guess by each having that conversation with the town administrator in sequence but whatever yeah, and, and there there are exceptions. They can they can have executive sessions. There's a specific list of reasons that the state lets you do that, and you have to announce that you're doing it and say which reason it's for. And you know, I looked through their minutes, and like they they held an executive session the night after his charges were filed in 2019 mm-hmm. to discuss um, you know basically accusations made against someone, and then mm-hmm. didn't appear to have any that that you know I think could have been on the topic since then. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in 2019, they they did say, you know, oh, well, they might have said, you know, given that he is innocent until proven guilty, maybe, you know, we just uh, let him keep being a police chief. And, um, you know, should he choose to retire, maybe like then, like the next week, we ask the next town if they want to share a police chief. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me personally, Um, but, you know, it's out there. And it did then get covered by uh, the Greenfield recorder, but uh, I got to say, five days after after ours came out uh, October 19th and you know to the best of my knowledge you know almost two weeks after our source uh, talked to someone at the recorder so I don't know 
yeah, I guess I don't have a lot of, a lot of things to say publicly about that other than, you know, nice to get a good hard scoop once in a while. Mm-hmm. Mike, you told me you had a non sequitur for today. Yeah, um, mine is that um, both of the last two issues have um, uh, articles in the B section um, by the writer W. Kaizen, who is a newer with us writer. Um, and I just really like both of these because they, they <laughs> show some yeah really good breadth. Uh, in our October 14th, he covered uh, a public art exhibit that was in a swamp. Um, down on the Oxbow in Northampton. And this was um, something that uh, our layout assistant, Charlotte Coleman, and sometimes a columnist, uh, she writes Unearthing the Archives, actually curated this show. So, you know, we had a heads up about it. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people who who were were pretty into it. I went down myself right at the end and, uh, you know, canoed around and and saw these art pieces installed. around the banks and on logs and, you know, hanging from trees and stuff. And um, as someone who's not always into art, um, I think it was like one of the coolest uh, (laughs) uh, exhibits I've ever seen. Um, So, and then I really liked um, his his write-up of it also. Is it true that you hate art? (laughs) Um, You know, you got to hate something. And I don't know, arts. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm sorry I, I missed that um, <laughs> show. Like, who who are these people with boats? Like, I really want to get a boat one day, but... Um, uh, oh, oh, so they yeah. actually had a bunch there. They, oh, they, they borrowed a bunch of boats, yeah. So you could sign up, and um, they would they would throw you in a canoe and give you a paddle and, oh. and life, life jackets, yeah. I missed it. Yeah. Other friends that I do know brought their own canoes or kayaks, but mm. there, there, there were enough there to, to go around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then um, he also wrote, uh, in this week's issue October 21st um, a review of two video games which look pretty cool I'm also not like a big video game person but um, I really enjoyed you know reading reading his article on it and I think our readers will too yeah they sound like extremely artistic video games um, almost like video games as literature yeah yeah and there's a I I know it's like a, a completely different world than when you and I were kids <laughs> what some people are doing with video games <laughs> speak for yourself I had a great time with Age of Empires 2 uh-huh. but that was definitely not um, not video games as literature <laughs> yeah yeah I did I did a lot of like Mario 3 at some point in college mm. but uh, sometimes seeing someone else's engagement with something is like almost more interesting than like, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I found those articles really interesting. I didn't necessarily go, okay, I can get into video games so I can do these, you know, I gotta get a system, but like, I'm happy that he's writing with us. And I think that like, if other folks also, um, side note, like want to review video games, um, it's something that I've never pitched. Um, this was a pitch he gave us and I said, oh yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, um, I know I know a lot of people um, are into them, and you know it's it's like a, a pretty rich part of our culture these days. So it definitely, uh, we're open to it. Sarah, do you have any non sequiturs this week? I I think my non sequitur this week is that I've been doing a little bit of like different volunteering with the Montague Reporter, and um, been doing some like 
admin assistance with ads and now when I look at the paper I like see the ads <laughs> why were you not looking at the ads before <laughs> oh I would look at the ads before but only like select ads but um, now I, I definitely um, am paying different attention there are interesting ads like please listeners look at your paper and when you go into those businesses or when you give them a call tell them the montague reporter sent you yeah or yeah that that goes that goes a long way i think that there's like you know a lot of our advertisers are running you know business cards that are just in regularly or uh, maybe sometimes like once a month or, you know, not not big flashy ads, but it's basically, it's effectively, you know, a lot of local businesses um, are underwriting us. And then in some cases, you know, there's even people who, um, a- as a way of, of um, giving the paper monetary support, um, you know, take out an ad for, for something that's an interest of theirs. And mm. um, I think that's also cool, you know, like, um, it could be a good way to support both like your friend's um, fledgling business and your favorite local newspaper is to, to buy them a season of business card ads. Um, that's a that's a win win win. Yeah, maybe maybe we should pitch that out for the holiday season. Like gift the gift of advertisement. Speaking of um, new businesses, Cocina Lupita, which is a food truck in Greenfield, had a lovely write up on the um a spanish page i gotta say i've been i've been eating Aleda's pupusas um for for a good while now mm-hmm. um uh, in in the ramp up to their food truck launching um you know there was some uh regularly available in in the community mm-hmm. um as people were, were raising raising funds for or as, as Aleda was you know putting together um capital for for launching that food truck and um, it, it's so cool to, to see like them out in the community in, in Greenfield and uh, really I think getting appreciated immediately for you know not just like their skill but yeah, I mean that that is awesome food um, if you haven't hit that food truck um, definitely go to it and I'm just in general like excited about you know we've got like several several recent food trucks in our area um, mm-hmm. which you know it's really <laughs> really improves the quality of life as someone who lives here yeah it's fun um last friday uh i walked there and had a lovely dinner what'd you have i had a quesadilla with veggies it was amazing (laughs) i live with a vegan so i don't usually have cheese but i myself am not vegan i am quote unquote just vegetarian so um it was a cheese fest for me i loved it excellent I mean, um, it, the the flavors were great. Well, I'm getting hungry, so. <laughs> you want to go eat lunch? Um, yeah. All right. Thank you, loyal listeners, for listening to the Montague Reporter podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. It helps us get more listeners. Uh, you can find the Montague Reporter at a lot of local businesses um, or subscribe on our website, montaguereporter.org. 
Thank you to Blue Dot Sessions for this theme music. And thank you to Greenfield Community Television, as always, for technical support. We'll be back with a new episode soon. In the meantime, uh, call us at 413-863-8666 to let us know what you think. You can also email us, podcast at montagueroporter.org. Or if you want to volunteer, editor at montaguereporter.org. Are you still accepting volunteers, Mike? Yes. Exciting. Yes. (laughs) 